Hey, Steven, we got to figure out an intro to the podcast. That works. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to another episode of the No Fluff MSP Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm super excited. Got a friend of mine here, Hugo Cabello. 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 I could tell the two L's. My, my Spanish from elementary school is kicking in. Um, Hugo, really appreciate you being on, man. Hey, the, the pleasure is mine, Tahir. I was, I'm, I've been looking forward to this opportunity to share some news with your, with your audience. Nice. Same. So I'll give a little background into in how I met Hugo. Um, Hugo, I've always struggled to find good referral partners and just partners in general because everyone always talks the talk. And then when it comes to like actually giving each other leads, nothing ever happens. Hugo is the opposite. Hugo is the, is the only partner I think I've ever had in my seven years of Alltech that actually talked the talk and walked the walk. So he's helped us add two new clients. Um, one was a, one was a past client that's coming back thanks to Hugo. Um, the other one was a, another dealership. And we got a couple more in the pipeline. So Hugo... Uh, is one of the only partners I've actually found success with. So thank you, Hugo. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Tar. <laughs> uh, you always hear like the copier guys, the internet guys, the VoIP guys. They're like, oh yeah, we, we were in people's business all the time. We're going to refer you for sure. I'm like, great. And then I just end up giving them leads and nothing back. So, uh, so anyway, and Hugo really knows his stuff when it comes to the dealership vertical as well as a lot of other um, places, but I know in general, MSPs are interested in the FTC safeguards and targeting dealerships. We have never really even done dealerships. Now we're actually going to be, you know, moving into that vertical thanks to kind of a lot of Hugo's advice. So I figured, hey, Hugo, why don't you come in and share that knowledge and insight with with our other, you know, MSP listeners? Because if it benefited me, it's probably going to benefit them too. So really appreciate it. Uh, first. The big question, of course, is, Hugo, do you mind going a little bit into your background and kind of what you're doing now? Absolutely. And again, thanks again for having me on the show. It really means a lot to me, Taher, and thanks for the accolade at the very beginning. Uh, the Dude, feeling's mutual. Feeling's <laughs> mutual. Um, Appreciate it. Listen, just keeping it very simple. My name is uh, Hugo Cabello, and I grew up in automotive, the insurance business, and hospitality industries. but at the end of the day, I've always had this tremendous passion for automotive. I mean, I'm a guy who doesn't have passion for automotive, right? Mm -hmm. And so to this day, um, I continue to have those relationships and network because I, I continually leverage my relationships. They mean everything to me, including mm -hmm. yours, Taher, because, Same. you know, obviously we, we, we live in a small world, so you got to make sure that you take care of the people that you're interacting with, whether you do business with them or not. Yep. Um, my background, um, you know, I've got an extensive background, but basically if you were to look at it from a top level point of view, I'm an operational efficiency guy and process improvement guy, uh, which basically what that means is it involves me with all aspects of, of business operations by helping owners kind of hone their skills and, you know, uh, what's the mission or the vision of the company. And then from there, once we establish that then we go into what we call a strategy session and then we structure them correctly based off of that then we look at people process technology 
I mean, you've heard of those three things before, and then we empower them to fulfill their mission and their role. I'm also uh, what you call a business development guy. And so I've had the privilege of working with some great teams and some great companies and bottom line, just selling very large multi-million dollar contracts. So whether it's SaaS products or or digital transformation projects, uh, I've always been behind, you know, getting a go-to market strategy, enabling it, working with teams in order to make sure we get those contracts for our respective companies. But currently what I'm doing today is uh, still an automotive, but I decided to really start helping my dealers by rolling up my sleeves, especially with the regulations. And I help them with governance, compliance, and risk management, kind of like what I did at Deloitte and Touche, but strictly focusing on automotive, motorcycle, marine trucking and the RV industries primarily. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know I could tell you work even before I really got to know you when I heard your kind of go-to strategy in the dealership market, I could tell you understood business. Like, cause one of the first things you want to do is create a like beautiful, like 10 page case study with statistics, with quotes, with infographics that looked great. That's usually, most people don't even think about a case study, but you knew from the get-go, that's a really important piece of collateral if we're going into a vertical to show, look what we've done with your peers. And I preach that all the time. So seeing you come out with that being a core focus was was pretty like, you know, built a lot of confidence that I was like, okay, this, you know, Hugo knows what he's doing. And then obviously, months after we've we've learned and and have, have grown you know close in that so so i you know that was a a great case study it's actually published now on both of our websites um and has really helped you know move things along with some of these prospects so and yeah. and, and you know um, um it's interesting that you bring that up because you know case studies initially it it it, it requires a little thought process mm-hmm. and a little bit of work but at the end of the day um Truth be told, selling is very difficult in today's marketplace now. And so truth be told, uh, I don't want to really spend a lot of time selling because when you're in front of a client and you're selling, you know, they've got their defenses up already anyway because you're trying to pitch them something. Mm. But when you take it from a case study point of view, it's the case study that's actually doing the selling on your behalf anyway because yep. they're more likely to be- believe that with facts versus you trying to pitch them something so it it will make your life easy so yes case studies are very important that's so spot on and that's what i that's why in this podcast anyone listening anybody that's listening to this knows like how big of a content freak i am that's like if you've if you've answered a question for a prospect before create content around it you know like because that's the other people have that question if you can answer that question you can be the one answering those questions you're the authority you're the people they turn to you know and and i see you doing that great with your compliance coffee uh linkedin um series you got going on so so let's get into the ftc safeguards um can you i mean i think most of the listeners kind of got it a little bit, but there's probably a lot of people that maybe not even know that this is coming. So like, can you explain the FTC safeguards, what it means for dealerships and then what it means for those IT providers that might be supporting them now or plan to support them? 
Well, it's two perspectives. Real quickly, the MSP perspective of safeguards, they're already familiar with NIST standards, mm-hmm. not just FTC and what it takes for uh, somebody to be compliant, right? But from the client's perspective, this is something totally new, and th- there's so much opportunity for MSPs to really start educating potential current and future clients. But it's pretty much the Federal Trade Commission is a consumer protection agency first. They were designed to protect the customer, right? And it doesn't just necessarily apply to automotive. However, uh, since that's a topic of today, you know, over the last decade, the FTC has increased their regulations when it comes to dealers uh, in general, as it applies to like, let's say advertising practices, like the bait and switch that you've heard about, Mm -hmm. Uh, but more recently financing and leasing of of consumer goods. So it's not just automotive, it could be a, a, a tractor, for a, mm-hmm. for a farmer or a motorcycle or or an enthusiast for power sports. But what makes it unique is that the last year, the FTC passed something called the safeguard rule, and it pertains to certain types of businesses like auto, in which they have to go through some steps in order to protect the consumer data from theft. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that criminal activity is on the rise, and it's supposed to surpass like $10 trillion dollars by next year end of next year but at the end of the day it comprises of like 10 core things that a dealer needs to implement to make them compliant now if i can just elaborate a little bit more you know most dealers especially you know dealers are everywhere any small town big town they're everywhere Mm -hmm. uh but most dealers have some level of it awareness but most of them are not really sure if they're compliant and I think that's where MSPs really need to take the leadership role, get educated on the FTC, because at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for those MSPs to become the experts, not only just uh, remote management and monitoring and cybersecurity tools, but the key is to become the expert on continuity of business mm-hmm. uh, and by understanding the regulations and letting dealers know that, hey, we can do not just break, fix things, but we also are thinking ahead and not mm-hmm. only implement cybersecurity, but we can also help you with with the written information security uh, program that the FTC is requiring, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if we look at clients in general, including dealers, they don't want to deal with a bunch of vendors or three vendors to do these three things. They're looking for one vendor to do all three. Yeah. And why not, why not the MSP? Because they're the leading authority in their respective market. Yeah. That's spot on. And the good thing is it's like, you know, for any MSP listening that does subscribe to like the NIST framework, what what we find with a lot of compliance is it's basically like a watered down version of NIST. Maybe not that much watered down, but it's it's watered down. And then it just adds in that additional like administrative, the policies, the con you know, business continuity planning, all that good stuff that really an MSP should have competency in any way. Now, fortunately, we have been using you for that because trying to get my team to get their hands on that is is not really something that I want to invest in. I'd rather have you come up next to me and say, hey, you get one invoice from Alltech, but we manage the governance compliance with Hugo uh, as part of our team. And so now we can focus on what we do best, which is the security checkboxes and making sure they're uh, secure in that sense. You can come in with, okay, what's unique about your business? How do we set up the right policies, et cetera? And it keeps it off our plate and it keeps one invoice to the client. It's very easy sell. 
Um, and so I guess my whole point in that is for an MSP listening, like don't get scared. Like if you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with, you know, FTC safeguards. I don't want to learn all about the clients. When you look at it, when you look at any compliance, no matter what country you're in, if you subscribe to this framework, like you're you're checking a lot of the boxes really quickly. And it's not that expensive to offer that to these small and medium-sized businesses nowadays. You know, Taher, um, fear is a word that we sometimes use and hear. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it, there's some level of apprehension because of some fear. Mm-hmm. But I tell MSPs, you're already com- you you should be comfortable with compliance anyway because you're probably already doing it anyway. It's just really mm-hmm. a matter of taking the time and investing and reading up on FTC and mm-hmm. understanding it and maybe getting somebody like yourself or myself as a coach to maybe have a conversation and 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 try to think about how am I going to implement this, not just with dealers, but with all of my clients moving forward, because that is the future. I mean, theft is on the rise. And you know, as MSPs, we want to kind of think outside the box and not be an IT company, but rather become that trusted advisor and 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 consulting practice in your market mm-hmm. and, and go up to that next level, which is what most MSPs are starting to do and to talk about is yep. how do I get outside of the uh, of the framework of just being an IT company and be, yep. be so much more? Yeah, that's why I say all, all the time. It's like, if your primary role is supporting technology, you're you're going to go by the wayside pretty quickly. Like all of these larger organizations that are starting to use Power BI, or they're starting to do really emphasize on compliance, or they're starting to look at actual business operations and how do you improve it with different software that maybe the MSP doesn't even handle. Like those are the MSPs that are going to be thriving in the next five ten years because if you're just doing help desk tickets, you are you're in trouble because there's MSPs, even small ones like us that are are I'm seeing the last couple of years what we've been able to do internally and the teams are building. I'm like, holy shit, it would be really hard to compete with us. Like if it was if I was starting an MSP all tech size trying to compete with all te- or all tech size when I started trying to compete with all tech now, it'd be very difficult. You know, I mean, it would basically have to be off price only, you know, like yeah, and, and I, I think not to get ahead of ourselves on our topic, but, you know, being a consultant and advisory coming from a couple of firms in my past history, I'm seeing some trends. And 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 if, in fact, MSPs are, are thinking about the future, like you mentioned, Tahir, a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, is what does that really look like? Because what I'm really seeing is the evolution of the MSP becoming not just an IT governance cybersecurity company, but more like a like an agency in which you will start transforming yourself into what I call like a miniature Microsoft per se, like digital transformation, modern workplace, mm-hmm. but even boldly go into something called social media, digital advertising and marketing and website. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm seeing all kinds of things happening even today, but the MSP of tomorrow will be different. Yeah, it's always interesting when I see MSPs doing websites. I'm like, I could, I mean, we don't want to do that, but I could see it getting stickier. It could make the client stickier. It's like, oh, wow, like all of these things are attached to this one company and they're doing pretty good. I probably shouldn't leave. But yeah, there's there's a lot. And then I see like AI, you know, we're we're using AI internally for sure on the marketing team and some on the service team. And I'm like, I feel like business, you know, 12 months from now, businesses are going to be like, hey, how can I connect AI to, you know, to what we're doing in our operations, the MSP, of course, is going to be like, well, I'm going to find a specialist for you. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find somebody that specialist can be making $500 an hour. And there's got to be there's going to be a question mark where MSPs are like, well, is this something we do in house? 
Because one of my other podcasts, I say like, never should we ever say, we don't do that. Like when a client's asking us, you, you know, this, that, and we, oh, we don't do that. That should never be our first thing, but it's what we always like to get to because we're busy and stuff. But instead we need to look at it and say, well, why are they asking for this? Why is there, is it a possibility to, it, does this match our mission? Does it match where we're heading? Does it match where we want to go? Can we integrate this in a way that makes us more mo money and makes our clients happier? If all those things align, it should not be, we don't do that. It should be, how do we do that? Well, it goes back to the phrase or the term case study, right? So mm -hmm. there are case studies out there and there's, it's happening right in front of us. If an MSP is, is on a mission to become an advisory type of an entity, which I highly recommend, right? Um, if you look at the big four, like Deloitte, uh, uh, Pricewaters, PwC, um, McKinsey, these firms are already investing heavily into AI in which they're selling AI consulting to big enterprise companies. Mm -hmm. That's no different than the MSP servicing small or actually micro to small to medium-sized businesses because uh, you know somebody like a Deloitte, they, they couldn't drop their price low enough to service a smaller client, and yet the MSP is perfectly poised in their marketplace to invest in AI to assist businesses to to better utilize AI. So yeah. I, I think Gosh. I think the case study's there uh to at least look at it. Yeah. Man, that's a yeah, that's a whole nother deep topic. I'd love to get in with you about. Maybe then it's next podcast. Cause I mean I seriously like I just I feel like that's a whole nother avenue that could make a lot of money in the MSU market. But anyway, let's let's stay on on this. That's a really great discussion. Um how can how do how can you like what recommendations would you have for an MSP that wants to market to dealerships? Like maybe the, they want to get more in that market. Maybe they're already in that market, want to add more clients. You know, how would you recommend, um, based on your knowledge, how would you, what, what should their messaging entail? Well, I mean, um, you know, as MSPs, we have to compete, right? There's always somebody else knocking on somebody's door. Uh, let's talk about dealerships for a second. I mean, if you look at a dealership, uh, small, medium, or large, uh, they get approached by several hundred vendors every month with the latest and greatest shiny tools, right? Mm. So you're always going to be competing for the general manager's attention. And so uh, if you are going to go into dealerships, the general manager is your first point of contact because they're the ones that are going to make the decision and write the check. However, they could involve a committee of an internet manager maybe another vendor in your meeting, but the general manager is your point of contact who will be writing that check. So you just, that's insightful. That's, that's very great. insightful. But what mm. you don't want to talk about is IT to a general manager mm. because, you know, they're only thinking about a couple of things. They they want to they wanna make a profit by keeping expenses in check and they want to be able to increase the value of their franchise today. So they're not, they're not thinking IT. Mm. They're thinking about something much, much bigger than that, selling and mm. servicing cars to their clients. So I always recommend if you're going to sell in dealerships, uh, talk to somebody like myself or even Utah or find out what is their business mission and mm -hmm. then kind of wrap around your conversation regarding that mission, not IT, not shiny mm -hmm. objects, because you won't be able to stand out from the clutter. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I've learned in my tenure is that, you know, 
your message should be focused on pain points with anybody mm -hmm. that you talk to, whether it's a dentist office or a dealership. But be very bold and to ask a general manager, what would happen if your data, Mr. Mm -hmm. Dealer, was held hostage for 10 days and you couldn't operate? Mm -hmm. That's bold, right? That's not yeah. selling. That's that's imp that's storytelling and I'm putting them in a frame of mind to where it hurts. Yeah. I mean, boy, what's it going to cost you if you go down for 10 days and you yeah. can't sell or service? What what would what would that actually cost you? Yeah. And then just pause for a second and and look at their facial expression. But don't be afraid to be bold because people resonate with that. Though that's real life scenario. Yeah. And I always encourage people to talk that way. Here's another example that I use all the time and you know, Mr. Dealer, Mr. Klein, we've seen massive increases of theft on social media like TikTok and Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. Who's not on TikTok and Facebook today, right? Yeah. The question would be, Mr. Dealer, Mr. General Manager, do you allow your salespeople to brand themselves and your store for new sales? The reason why I ask is, do you have a mechanism in place to protect your data in case you're held hostage in the future? Mm. I mean, uh, a lot of vendors don't come in making these kind of statements, and that'll certainly make you stand out. Mm -hmm. You're definitely going to get their attention. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at selling 101, you basically have just 15 to 20 seconds to get somebody's attention anyway. If not, yeah. then, then then you're just the regular vendor, uh, A, B, and C. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, dealers are always going to challenge you, right? But you got to remind yes. them. <laughs> you're going to have to remind them, look. Your job is to sell and service cars. We yeah. know that. We get that. My job is to help you with bandwidth because you don't have it, mm -hmm. with knowledge because you don't have it, with scope and the expertise to make sure that you get your regulations off the ground. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Yeah. All I need is five or 10 minutes to kind of go over our value proposition in order to help you with these regulations because they're not going away. Yeah. So those those are game changing events that I highly recommend when I coach clients and businesses that are wanting to go into this field. Mm -hmm. It's just be different, be bold, but but be specific and be tailored to the pain point of what that client does in in their marketplace. Yeah, it's so it's very spot on, and it's funny because when we do our campaigns for MSB Camp, literally it's we. In every single campaign, we structure pain points and opportunities. That's it. So total, totally agree. Like, and the pain points are what are these prospects actually saying? It's not what we think their pain points are. It's like, what are they actually care about and struggling with around IT or business operations that there's an opportunity around IT outcomes? So there's always a, with marketing, you know, I think as an MSP, there's always this like, this, this tug of war of, well, should I go with the fear, uncertainty and doubt messaging, or should I go with the, you know, education and entertaining? And I think it depends on the pain points and opportunities. It really does. Because sometimes there's verticals that when, when I go in with the FUD, it's a turnoff, but knowing dealerships as well as you do. And now that we have a few and dealing with them and how busy they are and they don't, they're so busy and they want to sell that they're like, I need IT out of my way. And you're like, yeah, so you can sell because you don't have enough, like you need time. Time is super important. What? That's why what you're saying is so important because that's getting their attention. It's like, no, 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 I can't have a day. I can't have a day. It's like, you're right. We take care of these things. So you don't have to worry about that. They're like, okay. And they sign the, the dotted line. 
Here's a very specific example of that. With one of the clients we brought on, I sent them an original proposal, you know, like two years ago for half the cost of, or half the proposal was half of the one I sent this year. Last year it got ignored. This year it got approved. And even though this year it was twice as much, they approved it faster. And that was because of, you know, our joint messaging, mainly from, you know, coming from you, but like it was, it was the, the like reality of the scare test. Like FTC is coming. This is what it entails. If you don't have it, you could be down because they can seriously be hurt. I, I think they, they had a firewall that didn't even have security services. Right. So like sometimes you have to make that message and you'd be like, you're in a really shitty spot and we got to get you in a better spot and they'll sign the line, you know? And as long as you, you're a good MSP, as I think most listeners are, they're doing them a, they're not doing a disservice by using FUD in their communication. They're doing the client a wonderful service by getting their attention because they need their attention gotten. Right. Like, exactly. Um, man, you know, what's, what's good. What's, tips, what's, you, know. you know, what's funny, Tahir, I mean, at the end of the day, just human nature, nobody likes to be told what to do. Right. Mm. So I, I try to let, uh, companies and MSPs don't always use the FTC as a, as a, as a stick to get them to pay attention because that can also get you in trouble. I think it's a combination of messages like, you know, the FTC as a dealer is telling me what to do and nobody's going to tell me what to do, but mm. I still have to do it. Right. Mm. I guess it's a combination of not just, you know, these regulations are going to be here anyway, but more importantly, let's, for, let's table that for aside and let's really talk about what's really at stake. You have 30,000 records, and then within seconds, it gets compromised. Mm. What's that going to look and feel like? Because you're going to have to drop what you're doing, and you're going to have to follow some protocols, which you don't have based on our conversation. Mm. we got to work on that. But better yet, the FTC is going to probably fine you heavily, but that's not the that's not the deal breaker. What could break your business after first, second, or third generation maybe family member running your business mm, is the lawsuits that come after that, because, you know, those lawsuits will, will probably cripple your business because you haven't even done an assessment. So we haven't really identified the gaps in your store. Mm. So let's start there. You know, we, we need to start somewhere, Mr. Dealer. Mm. And, you know, it's not about us selling you. It's about doing the right thing and protecting your business. Yeah. The regulations are part of it, but, more importantly, the criminal activity is not going away and they're vicious and they're going to, it's not a matter, a matter of if they're going to do it, it's a matter of when, right? So let's, yep. let's start now and move forward. Yep. So you're absolutely right, Dar. It's Our dual combination of messaging really helped get the client over the curb. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a proof statement in itself that I yeah. highly recommend. That's, that's so spot on. I think just a, a point to radar on what Hugo is saying, it's like, feel good making them understand they have gaps. Like I remember I used to cold call a lot, especially when I first started and in like year three, two, I used to cold call quite a bit and I didn't care if someone was being an asshole because what I was selling was important. I'm selling their safety. I'm selling their business being safer and working better. So if they want to hang up on me or they want to say something rude, it didn't bother me. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. 
or ma'am, dude or ma'am, you know, I, I was trying to help you and you do not need, you do not want help. That's fine. Move on to the next one. So understanding that when we're, when we're pushing the realities of how bad cybersecurity is getting. And if someone has a firewall without even security services, no MDR, no vulnerability scanning, no endpoint protection, they are a ticking time bomb. And if we don't get in there and save the day, they're going to keep working with that break fix shop who's leaving them hanging because they want a small agreement because they don't understand why they need a larger agreement. So, man, that's, that's really good. Good points. You go. So, well, actually you kind of already answered this question too. Cause I was just saying, you know, I think one thing that's cool is how many good insights you've, you've said on about specifically dealers, like general managers who you want to go after. IT is really not on their mind, but they do care because they can't be down. They have sales quotas to hit because that general manager is also selling stuff, which is funny. Um, mom and pop shops a lot of times, sometimes multiple generations, right? So it's like, are you, it's, you're not just protecting your store, you're protecting your family. You're protecting your legacy. <laughs> like, You know, you made me think of something funny. It's like, it's kind of like lawyers. Nobody really likes them until you need them. Same thing yeah. with MSPs. Yeah. Nobody needs an MSP until, un, until something breaks, right? Yeah. And 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 we got to figure out how to how do we break this vicious cycle to where we're just reactive and become more proactive but yeah. You know, general managers they don't think about computers or IT. They focus on selling and servicing customers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from experience that when something does break, that's what when they drop what they're doing, they go into a panic. They pick up the phone and they're yelling at somebody, right? Yeah. Totally reactive. And so our job is to make sure that we kind of prevent that from happening by just doing it right the first time, promoting the assessment, being bold in your statements and say, hey, what was the last time you did a gap analysis of your entire operation? Because someday you may want to sell your dealership. And if mm -hmm. you have gaps, it's not going to be worth a lot of money on the street. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're scratching their head. Well, what do you mean by that? It's called penetration testing. You know, it only costs so much money. Let's just go ahead and implement it. Yep. So you don't necessarily need to sell from the front end. You can do it from the side or from the back. But, you know, our goal at, at I keep saying at the end of the day, I told myself I would break that bad habit. <laughs> but but our saying, goal, go ahead. our goal really is not to sell anything. Our goal is to be a trusted advisor or partner and become proactive with our prospects and our current clients and try to paint this picture for them of them going through these problems and we're the people to fix those gaps because the inevitable is going to happen anyway mm -hmm. and so i get it you're going to call me and yell at me that's to be expected however what i'm going to do is calm you down i'm going to tell you to open up your wisp you know your your written information security program your protocols let's go to page two take a deep breath mm -hmm. let's go through this process and and that's what they're going to remember, right? People remember how you made them feel. Mm. And, you know, you can only do this by just putting on that hat, be walking their shoes, and you got to ask questions. You got to you gotta make statements and ask questions about their business. You know, how does this apply to your business? You know, I noticed that your service advisor are using iPads, right? Have you thought about MDM? Mm. Things of that sort, because... At the end of the day, here I go again. Don't think like an IT person. You need to start thinking like a client and find out what their pain points are, like you said, Tahir. Yep. Spot on. And th that one's mine. 
Fears at the end of the day, mine is <laughs> spot on and one hundred percent. Spot I, on. I don't always listen to the podcast. When I do, the amount of times I say spot on or one hundred percent drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, and, oh, and if if you don't mind, I I almost forgot the most important thing, and and yeah. that this goes back to my advisory days and consulting days. Uh, is uh, I don't see a lot of MSPs do this, but I'm I'm starting to see it more more often, especially in conversations. Is because it does happen in your enterprise level sailing is you always have to develop a blueprint or a roadmap mm-hmm. for the next three to five years for your clients, for dealers. Oh, wow. Nobody does that. So be bold enough to say, look, we're not just coming in to do the day-to-day monthly thing with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit down and we're going to facilitate a three to five-year roadmap because our job is to do three things for you, Mr. Dealer. We're going to stabilize your platform. Because the way I see it, you got Dell products and HP products. You got all kinds of products in here. There's no continuity there. Mm-hmm. We're going to standardize those products, your licenses. We're going to stabilize and standardize to eventually have operational efficiency, which that means, Mr. Dealer, is we're going to increase your effectiveness in your trade by helping you lower your long-term cost. Yeah. That's that's pretty bold, right, Tyre? I couldn't agree more, especially on the roadmap. It's it's often left out and an example recently is we got a $50,000 project approved a couple weeks ago that they've just been dragging their feet on. And all I did was created a simple infographic timeline. It took Steven like maybe like two hours to make. And it was just like, this date we're going to do this, this date we're going to do this, this date we're going to do this, this is how you communicate to your staff. Here's actually a video you can use to communicate with your staff at this point and this point. Sent it all to to them and and the quote was approved. And that's going to be you know a highly profitable project and it's going to put them in a much better spot. Just letting them visualize where they're at and where they're going s- sold the deal. And so I never do that when prospecting, but you should. Like... I should do that. Like when I'm talking to a prospect, usually I like sell them on me. We build some rapport. I talk about our services, what we're going to do. You know, there's like an onboarding timeline. So they see what the onboarding looks like. And they do like that a lot. But I think MSV is listening. Like if you got a good size dealership or any other prospect, invest the time to really get to know their systems, especially if you don't have a lot of clients. Like the reason I don't do it is we have a lot of clients now. Like I'm, I'm managing client accounts. I can't spend so much time on the sales. Really get a good roadmap before you even close the deal. Because like Hugo said, like other MSPs are not bringing that to the table, especially not in the sales process. So if you're the one that brings that beautiful looking timeline of this is where you're at and all of your main challenges and pain points and why remote desktop's a problem and why you keep having those hard drive issues and why you can't do this and why you want to do this but can't lay all that out and what you're going to do at what timelines and what it's going to look like a year from now, they'll sign whatever quote you put in front of them. Sure, it's going to take, you know, 10, 20 hours of prep time and you might not get the deal. That's why I don't do it. But man, would that blow up your closing ratio? Like, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, no, but I don't want to spend a lot of time selling. Uh, so I use all the tools that, yeah. that are available to me. And, you know, if I'm going to talk to X amount of prospects, I'd, I'd rather have the maximum amount of opportunities to close. And so... Mm-hmm tools and thinking ahead and understanding your client, do your research. I know it's a little work at the very beginning, but but think about it this way. You sign the contract. What's that going to look and feel like when you get your paycheck? And so 
good salespeople work their pay plan and uh you know just do your homework and i think you'll be much more successful at it yep 100 percent. and then for listeners on dealers what we found with dealership verticals that's unique um from just like the it support side of things is they're not very needy the salespeople tend to understand technology like they're not needy on the help desk side usually there's a ton of work that needs to be done on the infrastructure side and the start they have a bunch of home computers they they don't have good infrastructure nothing's managed properly so there's usually a large infrastructure project and then there's a lot of security layers because the ftc safeguards and really just what they need but help desk is usually low but like hugo said when there is an issue it's an issue right and and dealing with dealers <laughs> In dealerships, it can be, it can be, they get very passionate, but as long as you have the right stuff in place and you communicate well, it, it works itself out very quickly. So that's, that's kind of so far my experience in dealership is I'll, I'll, because of that, I'm like, I'll go into this all day because they don't keep us super busy and they take our recommendations. And when something does go wrong, we throw someone at that account immediately. There's not like, oh, let me get it. Let me let me see who's available next. It's like, all right, level three tech, jump on that, go on site now. Let's get this thing resolved. Like, let's get this figured out. Um, they they say uh, as an incentive for those listening, um, you know, if you're thinking about going into dealerships, you can also look at it from this perspective, and that it's it's the following. Um, we'll use Toyota as an example. The average Toyota store across America, unless it's very rural, has about seventy five PCs in one store. Now think about the math there. Uh, I don't know what your pricing points are and, and what you offer for services, but it's about 75 PCs for sales department, service department, uh, finance department, uh, the back end staff, uh, the technicians. That's a, there's a lot of PCs in there and that, that could add up to a nice monthly recurring revenue project for your for your company. But better yet, the average uh, dealer group has roughly anywhere from three to 15 dealership rooftops. Nice. So if you approach a Toyota store and you do a great job, chances are they belong to a group that has even more stores. And the next thing you know, you're growing exponentially. Yeah. That in itself is a great endeavor to pursue. And I highly recommend it. The same thing applies to you know, Harley Davidson stores, motorcycle stores, or power sports stores, RV stores, trucking, even agricultural stores, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so don't limit yourself just to automotive, but these are all franchise dealers and they have networks and it could prove a, a good endeavor uh, for your company. Yeah, totally agree. And one thing Hugo, you know, has been you know, advising on and something I agree with is like these associations, there's so many associations, there's so many local, there's so many magazines, there's so many industry events. That's one beauty of getting into a vertical. Not every MSP is totally vertical specific, but like in our situation, we're really ramping up to get into a vertical. You know, we, we're going to send a salesperson to those events and we're going to get them to know the community and we're going to get potential advertising in those communities. Cause it's like, where is your target market congregating? That's where you need to be. You know, it's not that complicated. And there's not a ton of MSPs that are going to be there because most MSPs that don't have a vertical are not doing that kind of stuff. And most MSPs don't have a vertical. So you're not, it's in, it's a less competitive 
area when you're in those types of events and you're in those magazines and you're in those communities or whatever it is, it's less competitive. And you get no, once you get known in a community, it's a flywheel. Like it's, it is a flywheel. Like that's what happened in Lakeland. Like people just started knowing all tech, even though it wasn't a vertical, it was the city. And then a flywheel happened. Like everybody just knows, oh yeah, you, everyone works with all tech. So like when someone was ready to switch IT, they came to us. It was a flywheel. That's what happens with verticals because once enough of the vertical know you, they go to trade shows, they talk, oh, this person's using that IT company too. This person's using, it's, it's a very easy transition, even if you're more expensive because you got happy clients in a vertical that you're focused on. Um, so yeah, I mean like there's, I was talking to an MSP camp member, um, the other day and he's dental only. He only does dental and he's adding two to 10 clients a month, a month. Wow. And he doesn't lot. do much marketing. I mean, he does, he does MSP camp, like he'll post some of our content. He'll use it in the sales meetings, but I don't think he's a marketing coordinator. He just is so into that vertical. He gets referrals all the time and he has partners in that vertical. He has referral partners like a Hugo that, Hey, they do this in the dental practice. They're just going to refer him because they know he deals with other dental practices and he does a good job. Two to 10 a month and MSP closing two to 10 clients a month. Like we close about two, you know, between, between one and three clients a month. And I thought I was on fire and to hear this guy say he's doing two to 10 a month. I'm like, dang. That's that's amazing. I got to tell you, the regulations for dental are, are a little strict with the HIPAA compliance, and mm -hmm. uh, I bet you they're they're very well versed on HIPAA. So that, oh, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, and I had a guy on the podcast that was uh, that's that's what he does too. A, a different um, dental specific MSP. They know everything. They know, they know how to do the X ray machine. They know how to deal with all the software, all the applications. It's not vendor management at that point anymore. It's actually managing the application. When you're vertical specific, that's what you can do. So I guess long story short, sorry for all the talking, is, you know, when, if you're looking at dealership or really any vertical, like get a hold of someone like Hugo, someone that really knows the industry and can help you, you know, create a, a path forward. Um, and then make your marketing revolve around the messaging to that target vertical. I mean, it's it's it seems really simple. It's obviously more complicated than that. But at the end of the day, it is a lot more structured going after vertical. So Hugo, if an, uh, anything else where we kind of wrap up for, with the last question? No, uh, we covered quite a bit. I mean, yeah. we, you know, the it's keeping things simple, stupid, and just be focused on where you want to grow. Um, I guess if I was to summarize what we talked about is, you know, think outside the box. Don't think like an MSP. You need to think about what, what your future is going to look like in the next five to 10 years and, and, and grow from there. Uh, mm. As, as you mentioned, Taher, you and I have a relationship. Um, I'm available as a coach to help anyone that wants to dominate the automotive sector. So whether that's personally coaching you and your team, or you want me to become part of your selling process where, where we come in and we proposition and we close the deal, uh, whatever, whatever anybody needs. I'm, that's what I do. I'm a coach. And, um, uh, I love RFPs. If you're not in the RFP business, I advise you to get into it. It's a lot of work, but you know we happen to get really good at it. And once you do it and do it a couple of times, it becomes easy. But there's a lot of opportunity in the RFP space, and it should become part of your repertoire of business. It's a great point. 
your RFP is someone saying, Hey, I need help with this, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, they're like, Hey, I, I have this IT need. You're like, Oh, that's great. Now I think the, the typical rebuttal is most of the time when a, when a company goes, submits an RFP, they already know who they're going to work with. And I think there is some truth to that, but there's also many that really are open for quotes. Well, Daher, I, you know, again, it, it all depends on your relationship, right? And so mm -hmm. if you do your homework, I many times, especially in my last deal with a bank that I closed for another partner, uh, it was over a million dollars. They had an RFP process, but because we went the extra mile and showed the CIO how to present to their own board of directors, we didn't have to go through RFP. They gave it directly to us, all of it. Mm. And so don't be afraid to go through the RFP process, but if you really want to go the extra mile, uh, go the extra mile because it'll pay dividends. And then once yeah. you're in, in a medium-sized business like a bank, you're now the trusted advisor for other banks because mm -hmm. you have a great referral system already set up. Yeah, yep. I feel like we could do a whole nother conversation on RFPs. I might have you back for like a another podcast just around RFPs. So that's something <laughs> I'm very interested in because you yes. know I've seen a lot. And I there's you know I was invited to do one a couple months ago and I ended up not doing it. I should have, you know. Um, but anyway, so yeah, well, I need. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I I see myself talking in two more podcasts. I certainly didn't want to sell myself into two more, but no, uh, I mean, there's just a, you bring... AI. AI is hot. Uh, mm -hmm. Large language models. That's there's not a lot of experts in that field. Yeah. And so, yeah, let's talk about AI. Let's talk about RFPs. Uh, yeah. I'd be more than happy to. I know for a fact, I, I have listeners that would be interested in the RFP one for sure. The AI one, we're gonna do it, and then I think a lot of listeners would be like. I don't want to complicate things right now <laughs> as they're do as we're doing now. Like, I don't think we're doing enough with AI currently, but so last thing to wrap this thing up, if an MSP needs help with, you know, FTC compliance, if they're going to go after dealership vertical, if they want to start doing RFPs, you know, what can you help with and how can you help? Well, it all starts with, um, getting to know each other. So I would advise anyone just to give me a call and tell me what's on your mind. And then if there's an opportunity to do some coaching or become part of your selling process, whether it's pitching or fixing an RFP or developing an RFP approach, uh, you can call me directly at 571-888-4434. Or you can email me at Hugo, H-U-G-O at easeguard e-a-s-e-g-u-a-r-d.com and you know everything stems from a phone call and we'll just take it from there you'll be cool. surprised how easy things can be with a phone call so yeah. I'm more than I, oh, go ahead i'll put that contact information on the actual podcast thing too so thank I'll you have that yeah awesome man well hugo really appreciate you man you've really helped us to get a couple clients. You're helping us get more. You're invaluable when it comes to the policies and the admin stuff that I have no idea and have no interest in. So it's been a great partnership. Um, it's great to finally actually have a partnership that pays off and uh, We're really, just really started. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and other MSPs, you know, we only market really in Florida. So if y'all want to work with Hugo the way we're working with him, go for it. You know, no, no, 
no problem. He's awesome. Um, really appreciate you having on. Any any other points or anything before we wrap up? No, not really. I appreciate what you do for for MSPs. Uh, I think it's great what you have this podcast and this opportunity. You know, education should be free, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, it once you help somebody become successful, I mean, it's just the right thing to do. So I'm I'm at your service. I appreciate, it, man. This has been the greatest, most satisfying thing in my career. <laughs> just <laughs> doing this and hearing feedback from people. I just I I love it. To the listeners, thank you so much for stopping in again and and, uh, and listening to this. Hopefully it was helpful, um, and we'll see you on the next one.